and I would think you'd want to know that. Even if all your family wants to stay ignorant still, let them stay ignorant, but you don't have to. And I mean, I've got a massive amount of stuff, not just today, but ongoingly. I could probably teach this for three years without stopping, but I don't want to get back in that teaching mode too strong. I still want to yield to the Spirit, but there's just a lot of things in the Word that I found out. Uh, and if I find any place in the Word that acts like it's going to blame God for tragedies and death and sickness, I immediately know something's not right in the interpretation. What do you mean by that? Something's not right. I, I know how to study Hebrew and Greek. I, I, you know, I had to take Greek in seminary. I'm not an idiot. So let's go to 2 Timothy. And I don't know if people don't know this or just don't care enough to study to figure it out, but we're going to get into it, and I hope you appreciate it because it's important. It'll be important to you someday because I'm going to show you all the tests and trials come to all of us. But only the people who know the Word know what to do with it. You don't know what to do, you're going to sink. You're going to fail. You're going to be sick. You're going to have problems. You're going to, and you're going to have problems anyway, but you're going to figure out, I'm going to show you today, you can get beyond them. You can get around them. You can go through them. doesn't matter to me. Just get out of my way, problems, because I'm going to take you on. Because I know you're coming. And once, you know, I've been to third grade once. I never went back. I know how to pass third grade. And then I went to seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth and eleventh and twelfth. Then I went to seminary and then I got my doctorate. I've learned a few things in my life. Just for being an ignorant drug addict kid that fell in love with Jesus. All right. Second Timothy. I'm not bragging. I'm just talking straight to you, though. I don't know how to talk to people other than straight. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We already went over this, but I'm going to give it to you again. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Now, the good thing about having a real pastor, a real man of God, I'm really not a pastor, but I can pastor you, and I'm teaching you today, really, as a prophet, but the point is that I'm studying. I'm saving you a lot of extra time. If you just follow my lead and write these scriptures down, even if I don't get to all of them, you just look them up yourself, and you'll see that what I'm telling you is right. So you've got to study. And that's the problem. People just want to read their Bible and glibly say something. See, and that don't really help much at all. You know, faith in general doesn't help much at all, but specific faith helps immensely. I know what I'm believing for, and I say what I'm believing for, and that's what I talk about, what I'm believing for. I'm not saying God bless all the missionaries. That don't do anything. But if I know a missionary and I pray for them by name, that helps them. Just talking to you. Some people, we just make religious stuff out of everything, and we don't get much done. It sounds real sweet and humble, and it's just full of nonsense. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Not before people, but unto God. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. Now, I know God. I don't know. I think you do too, but I want to give you one scripture. I'm just going to quote it. God is love. Now, God would not put sickness and disease on people if he's love. Any more than I would put it on people. And furthermore, the government and the, <laughs> the marshals, and the people that take care of child abuse will put you in jail for that, and rightfully so. Yeah, I just saw where they kidnapped this girl, and the guy took her to a hotel, and they got him. I know what to do to him, but I wouldn't say it publicly. You wouldn't like it. But anyway, study to show yourself approved unto God because people blame God for all their troubles and all their woes. That's what I'm saying. People need, you know. 
they're blaming God for the wrong thing. If you think God did this to you, then you won't resist it. If you don't resist it, it's coming with all of its friends. All of its cousins are coming too. I'm just trying to help you here. We say it kind of rugged. Well, you got to be rugged on the devil. He's hard of hearing, and he don't like to be bullied. That's why I just stay on top of him. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. So it's going to take some work to get this. Thank God you got me to help you get it further than you would have maybe by yourself. Not I'm not bragging, but just because I study a lot. Okay. It says that that needs not be ashamed. So you could study and be ashamed still because you didn't rightly divide the word. This goes on to say, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if I could rightly divide it, which means it produces light, it produces revelation, it produces faith. You could wrongly divide it, it produces confusion yes, and darkness yes. and turmoil and yes. chaos in yes. people's heads. Yes. And that's what the church has out there in the natural world. Bunch of chaotic people. When it comes to stuff like this, Jesus is the healer. The devil is the sickness maker. Get that straight. So let's go back to Luke 6 here real quick. I'm just showing you something to help us see things more completely. And I'm just into my introduction, so you're going to have to give me ample time. And I'm not going to try to wear you out. I'm just trying to say... You've got to give me some time. Think of all the years you've heard unbelief from grandma, grandpa, your aunt and uncle, 17 preachers, four radio preachers, and six conventions. They even tell me, and I won't mention the name because I'm not going to be rude about it, but people go to conventions and one preacher gets up and tells you how God wants to heal you. The next preacher gets up and tells you God wants you sick. What kind of convention is that? Crazy. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to sit for a minute under that junk. Somebody's not doing their job. <laughs> okay. Luke 6, Luke 6, 46. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings, hears my sayings, hears the word of God's sayings, and doeth them. He didn't just hear it. She didn't just hear it. That's the problem with us. We become seed people. We have a little box of seed on our side, and when somebody's in trouble, we think we're real spiritual. We've got the answer, and we're not even doing it ourselves. If you came to get blessed today, you're going to, but I may step on your toes in the root. He hears my sayings. He doesn't hear religion. He doesn't hear doctrines of men. He doesn't hear psychology. He doesn't hear philosophy. He doesn't hear theory. He hears what God says about something and does that. Okay. Okay. So some don't even qualify yet. But if we'll do that much, he's going to show us something. I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man or a woman which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not, could not, not might not, could not, could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. See, now I'm going to show you something here. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So both the righteous and the unrighteous built houses, but only one prevailed. 
both the both the, it rains on the just and the unjust. So, baby, you're the just yes. scripturally, whether you knew that or not. You're the righteous, like Les was teaching us. But it's going to rain on you too, and you're going to have stream beat vehemently against you. And if you're not founded on the rock, you're going to fall too. Now, I'm not bragging saying that, and I'm not prophesying that. I'm just that's Jesus prophesied that. Let's get this straight. I'm not. I'm just talking for him, reading what he said. So you're going to say you're going to have tests, you're going to have trials, you're going to have pressures, you're going to have problems. You might as well settle it. You're going to get in the Word and find the answers. That's why I said I'm taking extra time to teach you more. So you got, I got both my guns loaded, my derringer in my foot, a knife in that foot, some, an axe in my belt in the back. You know, I'm kind of teasing, but not really. So. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, you're going to experience some things in this planet because it's a demonically ruled planet. We're not demonically ruled. We're in Christ. But you have to live in Christ and walk in Christ. But even at that, he's trying to talk to you out of your faith. That's what the whole devil's trying. He's trying to shove you back into the natural world, doing it all in the natural, and somehow you think that's going to work. Or some of you want one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And that gets pretty painful if you know what I mean after a while. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just trying to help here. So there are what we I would call it, I'm moving on a little bit. There's some hindrances to your faith. There's hindrances to try to hold you from being healed and being well. God wants you well. Brother Les said he's already paid for it. But there are hindrances. And one of the main hindrances is back in Mark 7. I'm going to take you back there. We've already been there once, this, this teaching. I mean, a few weeks ago, maybe. But Mark 7 and uh, verse 9 and then verse 13. I'm in Mark 7, the Gospel of Mark, verse 9, 7th chapter, verse 9, then verse 13. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the word of God, or the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition." See, we've got to make a decision. Sometimes people mean well, but they just don't know what they're talking about. I'm not saying people are evil. They're just ignorant. I didn't say they were stupid. They're just ignorant. Everybody's stupid about something. (laughs) Ignorant about something. Let me say that for you. But you don't have to stay ignorant once you're in the truth and once you're in a church like this where we're teaching you more expository teaching like this and digging around in things and showing you things you ought to be easily convinced or you wouldn't have been here to begin with you'd have been down at the so-and-so first church but he says you reject the word of God that you may embrace your traditions you remember the lady I told you about they had the trachea and she cussed me gave me the finger and told me to get out of her room and she didn't want to hear about she I went to pray for her just out of the kindness of my heart didn't know her didn't even know her sister just went two or three people removed, asked me to go. Being a nice pastor that I was, very sweet man, still am. I just don't put up with that anymore because it's no sense. It's a waste of my time. And Jesus, I can show you where he didn't waste his time either. Not on this message, though. I haven't got time to go there with you. But she, and she said, well, in the first question, the first response back to her, I said, I've come to pray for you to be healed, lady. What about, she put her finger there to talk. What about Paul's thorn and Job? I said, well, you have a minute. I could explain it. No, I don't. You can get the so-and-so out of my room, give me the finger, and cuss me out pretty good. Not as good as my neighbor. You remember him, the Roto-Rooter guy and the neighbor there? Oh, man, he really cussed me. But anyway, she did a pretty good job for a woman. 
cussed me pretty good for, and Melinda had to put her finger in there to cuss me, you know. Pretty committed to cuss when you got to do that. People are just strange sometimes. You can figure it out a little bit if you get smart. But anyway, so people want to hold. So she'd been to church enough. Or grandpa or her daddy or her ex-husband or somebody told her about Job and Paul Thorne. Now, listen, if that's all you know about church, you're going down the toilet, baby. You've already been flushed. There's no help for you. If that's all you know about God, Job and Paul Thorne, and you don't even have the right interpretation. I spent all, an, over an hour talking to you about Job. That's the most thorough teaching I've ever did and didn't teach you everything I know about it that I've ever taught. You know, in my lifetime, I've taught it much simpler, but I went over, you know, fine line everything. Are you listening to me? So somebody had put that in her head, and she just picked it up like a little bird and chirped it out, you know, like a parrot. Well, what about Paul's? Instead of saying, well, could you tell me about it or go ahead and lay hands on me, I'll be healed. I told about the young boy I prayed for, 16 years old, cancer of the stomach. There's Helen right there. Helen Ziegler was with me. That young man I prayed for, he got healed of that, died later or something else, but he didn't get healed. Is that right, Helen? Rest lift your hand if that's right. Yeah. I had 10 minutes to spend with him. I wasn't real polite. I wasn't mean either. I said, I ain't got all day to play with this. I've got about 10 minutes. I'm going to preach to you. And I did, and I said, well, so what do you say? I'm going to head back. Either I can lay hands on you and pray for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to die sick. You don't have to die with this cancer in your stomach. You're 16, 17 year old. I forget. The young man. Or I could just leave you. Either way, it's up to you because I can't force it on you. He said, lay hands on me, preacher. I'll receive. And he did. And less than 10 minutes of preaching. And she's arguing with me about Paul's thorn and Job. See the difference? <laughs> Somebody's receptive. Probably never heard what I said to him, but he was so hungry. And you know, when you get stuff in your body and you're really facing major stuff, you, you get hungry normally. You want some truth helping you. All right, so let's look at verse 13. I'm still in Mark 7. Making the word of God, he says you make the word of God, Jesus speaking, of no effect through your tradition. Now think about that. You make the word of God of no effect. I don't have this in my notes, but I'm going to give you an extra bonus scripture. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God. So you've made the power of God null and void in your life because you believe a tradition that's countering the real word of God. Ah, you don't want to go to one of those churches that lays hands on people. You know, my aunt did that and she died. Well, that don't mean it wasn't God's will. Just talking to you here a minute. Are you listening? We got to get it straight. You canceled out the power of God in your life to do something or another because you wanted to believe a truth. It's not God's will for prosper you. Wasn't that funny? He put Adam in charge of the whole planet. I'd say that's some big-time real estate. I don't know how you cut and do it. And that's for anybody polluted anything. Maybe a guy peed on a weed or something, but that's about all I know. <laughs> you look so serious, I had to lighten you up. Think about the price of the real estate. And Adam turned around and gave it to the devil. Because his wife believed the devil's lie. If you eat this, you'll be just like God. Honey, you're just like God now. You and Adam are as close to God as you can get. The Hebrew says just a shade lower than God himself. 
and gave them dominion. Not just him, them, dominion. They had the dominion. But, you know, she took what the devil said and thought it was the truth. That's what a lot of people do. And, and see, he lie, he's always lying to us, the devil. Just remember that. He's a liar. I mean, that's one thing my wife pounded into the children, not literally, but phys- verbally pounded it into. <laughs> you cut off the power of God because of tradition. There's nothing beyond the realm of God that God can't do if you'll believe him. If you'll believe him. Unbelief won't work. Jesus couldn't even get it done in his own hometown. He got a couple people healed. The Bible in the Greek says a minor ailment. Even at that, he's still trying to lay hands on people. Think of Jesus' mercy and compassion and still couldn't get much done. Just some minor stuff. Maybe a little headache, not even a migraine. Because he wanted people to be well. But they didn't honor him and they rejected him and they said, Prophet, who do you think you are? You work down there at the lumber yard, down there at Daddy's furniture store, making furniture. Prophet. <laughs> and they made fun of him, mocked him. And he was over in another town and people were getting arms growed on, eyes put in. They didn't have eyes before, ears to hear that didn't hear before. Lungs that worked that didn't work before. All kinds of supernatural manifestation because they just received him. So there's qualifiers. You've got to believe God for whatever God does for you. Prophet or no prophet. Apostle or no apostle. you still got to believe God. You've got to believe the Bible. And you've got to believe what I'm telling you if you're going to get anything from me. That's all I can tell you. Or you'll just do without. I'm willing to give it, but you've got to receive it. You know, I can't give and receive too. I know how to receive from God, and I pray you do too, and I'll, we'll teach you about that. You know, you just got to receive. You got to quit giving out at that moment. You can't be up here praying in tongues. I know my wife said I was a little belligerent, saying it was shaking the lady to get her to quit blubbering. But, you know, what would you do if you were in my position? You're not, so you didn't know what you'd do. Let's just sell it. <laughs> If I came to a country to get something to somebody and they fought it up by their loud mouth, yes, well, would you just let them loud mouth do without? Well, do without then. Just went on? Or just not said nothing and went on? She'd have done without anything. I was trying to salvage her. Not trying to hurt her or embarrass her. And I asked her three times in a normal tone of voice. My interpreter did. He was scared to raise his voice. I said, tell her. I said, shut up. You don't, really, you don't really want a prophet. You just want to be petted, I think. No, I'm not mean to people, but I want people to receive. If it was your child and your child couldn't receive unless I gave a little quicking to them for correction, would you want me to just let that go because I'm going to hurt your feelings or their feelings? No, you're not telling me what you do. Yeah, you'd want the correction so you could properly receive. If they tell you they're going to do something to you, fast the night before, and you eat all the food you can eat, and you're going in for surgery, you're going to have some trouble. Maybe deathly trouble. I don't know. But I sure wouldn't violate that. You'd listen to the one that's going to do something to help you. Yeah. So anyway, you make the Word of God of no effect through tradition. We don't want to be like that. And it's amazing to me that people have all kinds of theories about Paul's thorn. We're going to get into that in just a second but not scriptural facts, just all kinds of theory. It's amazing to me that people, now listen to this, this is a hard scripture, it's a hard, not a scripture, a hard thing to say, but it's true. People want the right 
They want to fight for the right to be sick. Now, I don't understand that. I don't understand people, human beings in their mind wanting to fight for the right to be sick because they want to believe in Job and Paul's thorn. Or Paul leaving somebody at, at a certain city that's recovering. I left him at Melita. I'm sick. Well, that didn't mean he didn't pray for him. Maybe he hadn't fully recovered. You know, sometimes it takes, you read your Bible, they laid hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, you go to the hospital, get surgery, they slit you open, they put you in recovery. They don't slow you out on the street the next minute. Here, find your way home. I think your car's over there. No, they put you in recovery until you're even conscious and they know you can survive it. And sometimes you're in recovery sometimes for a long time. It depends on the seriousness of the surgery and all the stuff that goes with it. You know, I'm not making fun. I'm just talking. So, you know, just because you find isolated scripture where Paul left somebody sick at Miletum, that doesn't mean he didn't believe in healing. I'm going to talk to you about Paul. I can't find any scriptures that indicate he was ever sick. Now, they threw enough stones on him one day to kill him, and he fell out dead on the floor, on the ground. But the disciples all gathered around, doesn't even say they prayed. He just stood up and walked off. Went into the next city the next day and preached. I'd say that's a pretty resurrection power. I don't know how you cut and dice it. All right, I'm going to get stronger as we get into this. Let's go. Is that possible? Oh, yeah. Come on now. Buckle up, baby. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I like this. I'm debunking the error that goes with Paul's thorn. You know, I think that's the right word, debunking it, showing the truth of what he's really talking about here. But 2 Corinthians 12, you could read the whole chapter later, but we're just interested to right now for our study purposes. Verses 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm giving you a minute to find it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Through, uh, Let's just read down through uh, maybe 10. Uh, maybe just nine or ten, but at least I should be exalted, verse seven, above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. At least I should be exalted above measure. Now let's stop and analyze this a minute ago. He says he had a lot of revelations. He had an abundance of revelations. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, I think. He ought to be a fairly smart guy when it comes to revelations that he received from the Father. You understand what I mean through the Holy Ghost? Does that make sense? He said he had them. I don't think he'd be a liar and put it in print. The abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Now, I don't know how you read. I don't know how you think, but there's no way in heaven... That you could get anything out of that but the messenger of Satan. Yes. Let me read it to you again. That was given unto me the messenger of Satan. I know God put this on him to blind him. Where did you get God at? God's not even mentioned in that scripture. The messenger of Satan. <laughs> One day I was watching TV. That was my mistake. On a Sunday morning before I came to church, my wife tried to warn me, don't watch that, you'll be upset about it. <laughs> this real smart L.A. guy, you know, he says he's really smart. Professor's got Ph.D. and a D-I-L-L-T-T-E-D-F. I don't know what he's got. <laughs> I might watch my letters, I may sell something I shouldn't say. 
Uh, he's at a well-known university, and if I told you, everybody in this room has heard of it, for Christians. And he's going to teach about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And being the man that I am, I said, I'm going to see what this joker knows. Just like that, with an attitude. I'm going to see what this joker knows, Ph.D. Put it on me, what you got. He read the same scripture. Then he got out a piece of paper, papers, uh, uh, fell to the floor, a list of 300 possibilities of what it was that Paul was afflicted with in his body. And I screamed at him, can't you read, stupid? Don't think I didn't. I screamed at the TV. If I'd have been a sinner, I'd have cussed it. <laughs> I mean, he really irritated me. Because here's my thought. He had all of these uh, students at this Christian, not, not IUS or U of L or wherever you think is important. You know, I'm not bladmouthing them, but they're not there to teach you about theology. And if they teach religion, most of them are crazy. I just know what I'm talking about, about the professors at most of the colleges and universities. That's why we're so liberal. And we don't even know what God is anymore. We're confused about what sex we are. Because confused about a whole lot. So I'm screaming at that guy. I said, can't you read, stupid? And he's got all these young seminary students at 18, 20, 21, 22, 24 listening to this so-called professor. He's over the chair of prayer in that university, and he's going to tell us about Paul's thorn, and he has no basis for that whatsoever. He has no verse to back up anything. Yeah, I've heard some of those stupid comments. Well, he wrote Galatians, what a large letter. He wrote a lot of letters that were smaller than that, and he just meant that had more chapters than some of them. How about that? Put that in your pocket. You can spend it. He didn't have an eye disease. I'm going, to read, I'm going to read to you what he went through in life, and he didn't mention sickness or disease ever. I'm going to hang on. Everybody said they believed, you know, Paul was just, he was something else. Okay. Let me see here. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, least I should be exalted. Let me read verse 8 and 9. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that, he might, that it, it might depart from me. But he said, I'm not going to do it. No, he didn't say that. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. And I would read it this way. My anointing in your life is sufficient for that. My ability in your life is sufficient for that. I've studied grace and anointing for 30 years. I know what I'm talking about. You can check me out. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm not going to do it. He said, you take care of it. I don't think you caught that. You take care of it. Why? Because when God redeemed man, he put him back in dominion level. He gave man dominion like he gave Adam, even better. We're joint heirs with Jesus. All right. My grace is sufficient. In other words, my ability is more than enough, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the, and the infirmities there don't mean sicknesses there. It just means my weaknesses. That the power of Christ, that the power of the anointed one and his anointing may rest upon. In other words, I'm not tooting my own horn that I'm something special. I just know that whatever is on me is that power that raises me up above all my weaknesses. Are you listening? Mm-hmm. 
I, last Sunday was a good example. I felt like I was pulled through a knot hole backwards. I had a sinus infection, a major infection, and came preach to you, couldn't hardly talk, and preached a good message about my mother. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. So we're just going to study this out now. Let's see what really he said. The messenger of Satan. That word Satan there is an interesting word. It's used 188 times in the New Testament. And every time it's used, it's the word for angel. It refers to a person or a personality, not a thing like sickness or disease. It's used, the same word is used here, the messenger of Satan, an angel of Satan, an evil angel like, you know, back in Psalms 78, 49 says, evil angels, it says were sent among them, but it's not that in Hebrew. It says God released them. He allowed them to come because people's disobedience. You know, if you're going to disobey God, you can, you're going to get some hard roads to hold, but that's where you have to rightly divide it. Did I bring this on or is this just the devil pushing me? And if it's you brought it on, what would you do? Repent. Repent. Father, I'm sorry. I repented. <laughs> Please forgive me. And he forgives you because 1 John 1 and 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That puts you back in dominion put you back in right standing, which is your dominion. If you're not right standing, you don't have no dominion. If you're living in sin every day and fooling around with things you shouldn't fool around with, you don't have any dominion. You can talk all you want. You can get up here and boast what you want, but nothing's happening. That's always the first door I'd look for if something's not moving. I've stripped myself of my own authority. I've taught you that 5, 10, 15 times in the last five years, that comment. So this was an evil angel of the devil that came to buffet Paul. And it's used 188 times in the New Testament. Every time it's used, it refers to a person or a personality, not a thing like sickness or disease. Are you listening? The thorn in the flesh, that's a figure of speech. You ever had somebody you work with and they're a pain in the neck? I had a guy I worked with one time in construction. And you got to give me some slack. I was a young Christian then, so don't take this literally. But, I mean, I had it out with him one day, and I had a hammer on me. I said, I don't know what your problem is, man. You need to go home and kiss your wife or do something, man. I'm about to beat the you-know-what out of you. <laughs> Everything I do is wrong. Everything I do is unpleasant. Everything I do, you ride me about it. And I've just about had it. You want to just take our stuff out and go out here and get at it and see who wins? I mean, I could care less right now. You have frustrated me to no end. And I mean, I was looking like I'm looking now. I'm serious. Man, when I look serious, you're either going to have to jump, move, or talk or something because I'm going to jump you if you don't say something. And he said, well, I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, I'm having a lot of marital problems. I said, well, then maybe you need to go home and kiss your wife. You need to get some counseling or do something. I don't know what your deal is, man. But I want you to quit taking it out on me. If I need correction, I'll take the correction. I'm just a new, I'm only a first or second year apprentice carpenter. I'm not a journeyman. But my God, you ride me out about everything, brother. And I said, if I wasn't a Christian, I would have knocked your head off the first day with this hammer. You'd be in the hospital. And there's some good center boys in the construction industry, I can guarantee you. I know some of them. Yeah. You don't treat people that way unless you've got a problem. Somebody's liable to catch you at your truck at the parking lot. All right. Just talking to you here, man. So he was a pain in the neck, a pain in everything, this guy I'm talking about. I never had it out with him. He gave me good marks to turn into the union. 
So, I mean, you know, I didn't funk anything. He just had a bad day, he, bad, day <laughs> bad week, bad month, bad, <coughs> bad life. <clears throat> okay. So I'm showing you the thorn in the flesh is a figure of speech. All right. So let's go to Numbers 33 here. Go back in the Bible, Numbers 33. Let's see if we can find, you know, the trick to the Bible, trick or key to the Bible, let me sound more spiritual, the key to the Bible is to find other scriptures that relate to that comment. Uh, If it's a thorn in the flesh, let's say if there's any other indications of a thorn in the flesh used or something like that, that would indicate what's really going on. And this was God's people he's talking to, and he wanted them to go into the land of Canaan. I'm in Numbers 33. And he wanted them to root them out, and he wanted them to destroy them because they were going to, they were going to integrate into his, into Israel, and they were going to become a hybrid, which is what most churches have become today, in my opinion. You know, we got a conglomeration. We got to make sure all this is exactly right and whatever. I'm not trying to be politically correct. That's what I'm trying to say to you. You know. And so they got into the land, and this is what happened to them. Let's go to Numbers 33. Let me read it to you, 55 and 56. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them, of the other people, the Canaanites, they serve heathen gods. They don't serve Jehovah. They don't serve the God of the Bible. Shall be pricks in your eyes. I don't think he meant take a stick and put it in your eye like that. But it's going to, he's talking about those people. They're going to be an issue for you. They're going to be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. And they shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. That's what happens when you get around people, unbelieving people, and stay around them too long. They start vexing you. And they're like something in your eye that makes you not see right. Something in your side makes you don't feel right. You know, about the church. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. In other words, if you're going to disobey me, and you're not going to do what I told you, then you can expect that's coming. I don't have to send it, but you open the door for it. Trying to rightly divide. I'm rightly dividing right now, unless you think God's the heavy. Does God, let me ask you this. Does God have any death angels? No, we don't have any. There's no death in heaven. In fact, the Bible, specifically, this is a little side note, when they talking about covenant, the day they ate the lamb, put the blood over the door, it says, I will come over the door, God says to them, I will come over the door and protect you from the destroyer or an evil angel that's coming that's got death in him. He's going to kill every firstborn. But when he sees the blood, he won't do it because I'm going to stand over your door as a protection to keep him out. God wasn't killing those babies. He gave Pharaoh, what, ten times? Was it ten times Moses went, let my people go. I'm not letting you go. I'm going to double your workload. I'm going to do this. I'm... He's just a hardcore guy. Well, he's not hardcore than God can be if you're going to push him. And you're going to not let his people go, which is covenant to him. There's another area you need to think about. When people come against real covenant people that know their covenant, but those people are in trouble. Trouble financially, trouble mentally. Trouble emotionally, trouble life and death sometimes. I'm just telling you what I know from the Bible. 
touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. If you're an anointed one and you're walking in your anointing, you don't have to worry about enemies. God will help take care of that. But you are going to have some problems in this life. You're not walking around on flowery beds of ease. We're not smoking dope and floating around on the ceiling. Come on, I'm just helping you here. Don't get crazy on me. No, there, there are problems in this planet because not everybody wants to serve God. And they get the rewards of the God they serve, which most times money. It's called mammon in the Bible. It's just a God that was so materialistic he never could get enough. How much bourbon can you drink? How many horse races can you have? How many Caesars are you going to build and rob the communities of their money, throw it away for people that don't know any better? I wouldn't be against gambling either except for one thing. Somebody has to lose. I'd like to see everybody win at life. That's why I teach the Bible. And everybody has a choice. you got a choice. i got a choice. Everybody's got a choice. You're not going to get away from that. You could end up being prosperous in life. You can end up being healthy in life. You can end up having a great marriage in life. You can end up raising great kids in life. But you're going to have problems in the process of just realize you're going to have to go back to the Word, yes. dig deep, yes. dig deep. Yes. You're going to have to work, study, yes. and you're going to get up every day and say the Word, speak the Word, love the Word, fall in love with Jesus again every day. Yes. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Yes. And let Him hold you and let Him protect you. So we see here, here's an example. These, these were beings, these were other people that were going to be pricks in their eyes, thorns in their sides. Let's go to another one, Joshua 23. You getting anything yet? Just trying to show, I mean, I, we could get 50 more scriptures, but I've got, I haven't got that much time. But let's go to Joshua 23. Let me find it, verse 10 through 13. I'll let you find that with me. I'm trying to show you a correlation with the comment in the New Covenant that's explained back in the Old Testament. That's primarily why I go to the Old Testament, to explain some things. But we don't live in the Old Covenant. But still, there's some types and shadows that help bring clearer light to the New Covenant when we get to it. Every, every feast in Israel is culminated in Jesus. Every name we have for God, no matter if there's 40 or 55, all culminate in Jesus. That's all you need to know, baby, is Jesus. Have faith in that name. You, you could know Jehovah Tiskadu, Jehovah, you know, all the names I've taught on those years ago. But all I know, need to know is Jesus. In that name's everything you need. In that name's all authority that's in heaven and in earth. So we just cut to the chase. We're not, not being mean, just trying to help us. But let's look here. Here's another example, Joshua 23. I'm going to start in verse 10 because it's such a great scripture. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fights for you as he hath promised you. Uh, Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Else if you do in any wise go back or you go backwards and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, the other things that you used to love, even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them or have relations with them and they to you know for certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes 
until you perish from off this good land which the Lord gives you. In other words, once you get settled in God, don't go back into the world and try to do their stuff with them and try to live for God and live for the world. That's a mess, and you're going to be messed up by that. And eventually it says, God says, I'm going to take my protection away from you because you're not listening. You're disobedient. You know, disobedience opens the door to the devil. What am I supposed to be? Obedient. What if I mess up? You're supposed to be repentful. You're starting to learn to say, Father, I'm sorry. You know, if you went to a bad movie one time and people took their clothes off, you should have learned. Don't watch that kind of stuff or it will damn your soul. Do I need to spell that anymore? If you went to a party and you took your clothes off and ended up in bed with somebody you shouldn't have been with, don't do that again. Repent and get as far away from those kind of crazy people as you can or you'll be back in another bed with somebody else that's probably got something and they'll get, gladly give it to you and they won't be able to get it off with ivory liquid. Now, I'm not playing with you. These stuff will eat up your body. You've got to protect yourself at all costs and you just may have to give up some so-called friends that are really trying to destroy your life. I used to run with people like that, bikers. They didn't give a think about what you thought about nothing. They just soon shoot you in the head and leave you to bleed to death. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to sound crazy with you, but that's I was in that lifestyle for a season. Thank God I didn't do that. I would have had the guilt of that on me. Of course, God would have forgave me, and that's something else. You know, if you've had abortion or something, forgive yourself. You're under the blood now. But it's not good to kill human beings and want to save puppies. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with our country anymore? They're crazy. You can make fun of me all you want, but I think right. I don't kill babies. I don't kill dogs. But I'm more concerned for human beings that have an eternal soul than puppies. I'm not for abusing animals either. I know what the scriptures say. Don't do cruel things to your animals. But that's all they got for TV now. They show it six times in one uh, little commercial ad, you know, on the news. And then they're killing babies right across the river. Nobody gives a flip. Yeah, I'm preaching good. I'm on all kinds of toes. Maybe some ankles by now. I don't know. <laughs> See, you can't, you've got to do it. If you're going to do this, I mean, with healing and health, you've got to be separated unto God. You can't just live any way you want, think anything you want, talk any way you want. You can't. You could do that, but you're going to end up in a mess because. See, I, I've learned this too that the curse causeless shall not come. I'm not even talking about that day. I, I'm going to take an hour and talk to you maybe about that at another time. Why does curses come on the body of Christ if we're redeemed from the curse? Well, it doesn't come without a reason. There's a cause. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe I don't, but God does. And probably the devil knows. He takes advantage of all those causes. I may just teach a couple weeks on causes. I've got about 30 or 40 of them. Talking against other preachers. Now, hold that. I didn't give the guy's name or the university he was from. I have a right to dispute his doctrine if it's full of not good stuff. even smells bad to me like not good stuff. When you get on my TV and you tell me 
that you got 300 things that Paul was sick from and you can't prove one thing and you got a PhD, you got to be kidding me. I mean, even an 18-year-old kid with one eye and half a brain would know better than that. Yeah, somebody isn't thinking. That's the problem with most people. They don't think. Letting everybody else do your thinking. All right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians a minute. You're not done yet? No, praise God. I'm getting into the good stuff. It's going to get gooder. I'm not mad at you, and if I said anything that offended you, you're just going to have to repent. I'm right. I wasn't trying to hurt you. I didn't give names and addresses. The guy in the fifth row, the lady in the seventh row, you know, I'm just talking to you. But these things will destroy your life unless you think about it and, and live separated unto God. This is important. We don't hear much about that anymore. And, and God is a good God. That's what I'm saying to you. God is a good God. He's not your Walmart in the sky. You just go in there and pick up all the good stuff, then get out in the parking lot and have a smoke and drink some bourbon and watch bad movies. That, that's not going to cut it. You might get away with that for a while because we're under grace under this new covenant, but eventually that wears thin. And God's not trying to get, put anything on you. He's just not able to, listen, let me say it to you, he's not able to fully protect you if you keep pushing the envelope. I told my children, don't speed. I told them, don't rob stores. I tried to teach them, don't lie. Always tell the truth. Pay your bills. Do what's right. Tithe. Live for God. I told Jordan and Jessica, you need to wear out some Bibles like I have. I'm not bragging, just truth. I've wore some out, and I'm still wearing them out. Got a brand new one to wear out just recently. I haven't started on it yet. Because I got a lot of good notes in that one. Are you listening? You just have to think in a different term. I'm not, a, I'm not bragging on me. I just learned if I don't do that, I can't live right. And I don't want to fit in with all the misfits. I don't want to live half of my life defeated. I lived defeated before I got saved. Totally defeated. Carrying a gun, acting crazy, willing to shoot people so I could do dope so I can kill myself early. I mean, see, that's just irrational. That's crazy. That's insanity. You maybe didn't do that, but you did some things just as silly. All right. Now I'm back over in 2 Corinthians 12. Aren't you glad we've talked about this today? Let me see some teeth out there and see if anybody's still smiling. <laughs> All right. Now, it says he's going to, he says, the messenger of Satan to uh, buffet me, not buffet me. He's not going to go down the Asian, Asian kettle and get a plate of rice or something. Okay. This uh, buffet me in the Greek means something pounding like the waves of a sea. Something pounding. See, Paul was such an extreme uh, leader when we first find him, he's a good old sinner boy. He's, he's uh, giving consent to kill Stephen. They chunk stones on Stephen till he's dead. And he's giving consent to it. He's a murderer. Oh, the great apostle. He was Saul then, but same guy, Paul. He's changed his name, you know, whatever. But, you know, he was just beside himself. I mean, nobody trusted him. They said, Man, you know, they, they're going to haul you off to jail. And Ananias, you know, God visited him, a little disciple guy, praying. 
I want you to go over there and minister to him. Oh, my gosh, he puts people in jail and has them executed. you got the wrong person. No, you do what I tell you. And the nice went and laid hands on him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost, got his eyes opened again. He wasn't sick with blindness. He was made blind because of the point uh, to get his attention. And when Ananias got to him, what did he call him? Brother Saul. <laughs> so he accepted him too because God dealt with Ananias. You don't, you, don't you put down what I'm elevating. He's going to be raised up to be a great leader. Hallelujah. But when we first see him, he's that. And then we see him in Acts 13. By then, that's fair, several years after he gets saved in Acts 9. And he's called, an apost- he's called a prophet and a teacher or one or the other. I think he was both probably a prophet and a teacher at that point. There's five men listed. And go to chapter 14, which was a couple, maybe several years later. He's called an apostle. So this man has walked through some things in the earth and been promoted by God. But he said there was a, uh, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me or to pound on me like the waves of a ship. Boom. Boom. You read through the book of Acts carefully, every place he went, those unbelieving Jews, yeah, I said it with an attitude, unbelieving Jews persecuted him, ragged on him, got everybody incited riots against him. I mean, they're throwing rocks. He had to escape one time over the side of a wall in a basket to save his life. He's got turmoil everywhere he goes. You think you're going to just, you're mad because somebody gave you the finger? Or you're mad because you told somebody about Jesus and they used a bad word to you? Come on, grow up. Shake that off. we got, we got to toughen up a little bit, beloved. I might say cram it down everybody's throat, but we ought to be open to minister to people if the Lord tells us to stop and talk to somebody or do something. I stopped and gave some guys some money recently on the side of the road. And uh, he thanked me. I said, you're welcome. I said, God told me to do that for you, just to help him. But listen, I'm, I'm talking to you about uh, what we're talking about here. It's like the waves of a ship, just bam, bam. And you think that I've lived in some kind of uh, like uh, uh, nirvana, some kind of perfect world that I live in? I think some of you think that maybe. I just don't talk about my problems. The mark of a really spiritual person doesn't talk about their problems. Certainly don't talk to somebody their problems that can't help them. Smart one would, if you need help, go to the medical. You know, if you need help, go get some help. I'm not against that. I've never taught against medicine or doctors. You know that, and even surgeries, if it's serious enough. But my point is, you know, you're going to face some things, but let's stay with God and stay in the flow of him, and you can move over all these obstacles and pressures and things that come against you. The thing that's terrible to be out there and have all that pressure and not be able to do a thing about any of it. You can get mad. You can cuss people. You can throw stuff. You can get crazy and go get drunk or whatever you want to do, shoot dope, run around, whatever. But it's all going to be the same when you're done. You're just in worse shape. You're run down now. I told somebody one time, you can stand in a foyer here and you don't have the right answers and run around this building one time, come back to the foyer and go, all I feel is tired. I said, well, you are. Take another lap. And you just keep taking laps thinking you're getting somewhere, but you're just wearing yourself out. That's what worry does to you. Just wear your wheels out. And there's no oil to to replenish that. It just wears on you. And you better get rid of that. That stuff will kill you. It'll wear you down. 
The littlest thing devil does is tear, take you out or make you feel, you know, something. Don't, don't you know, push back on him a little. Man up, woman up, push back a little bit. Anyway. All right, let's see here. Right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're, this is good, isn't it? I think it's good. I, I'm not quite done. Just give me another few. It's 52 minutes and 49 seconds on the clock on the back wall. Okay, 2 Corinthians, let's find out what Paul did go through because I'd like to find out. 2 Corinthians 6, hallelujah, verse 4, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, and that would include all of us, not just the preachers, in much patience, in afflictions. Now, afflictions there means pressure due to circumstances. Sometimes you have pressure due to circumstance. It doesn't mean you're evil. It just means you got pressure against you. What are you going to do about this? Anybody ever heard that? Nobody's afraid to say anything. Uh, anybody over here honest? Suzanne, you're going to raise your hand. Raise your hand with me. Thank you. Uh, what are you going to do about this? How are you going to pay for that? What are you going to do about that? You... See, that's all pressure. And it's geared by the devil. And it's called afflictions in the Bible. Pressure due to circumstances. In necessities, in distresses, in stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right and on the left, by honor and dishonor. In other words, you're trying to live in honor and people dishonor you because they don't understand. By evil report, people say evil things against you. You know, I had a nice car. I still have a nice car. It's not the same one I had, but... Had one, somebody said, what'd you do, go back to dealing drugs? He's the son of a preacher. You know, you know, then he didn't know nothing. He's a little older now. I think he's a little smarter. He said, but by evil report and good, I just looked at him. I said, no, I didn't go back to dealing drugs. Why would you say such a thing? He thought it was funny. I didn't think it was funny at all. I think he kind of lusted after my car. I said, do you understand what spiritual sons and daughters are? Spiritual sons and daughters? I never heard of that. I said, I didn't think you had. But it means people that have been raised up and sent out by me to go do something, and they helped me, and my church helped me some. They didn't pay for the whole thing, but they helped me some. I'm not embarrassed to tell people that at that time. Praise God. But see, he was trying to malign me because I was driving a nice car. And I'm pretty much sure it was nicer than his. Anyway, you've got to get used to the dishonor sometimes and the evil report that comes if you're going to really live for God and just smile and go on. I'm not trying to put on the dog. You know what I mean by put on the dog? Strut your stuff, whatever you call it, I don't know. If you're trying to be an image person, then you're full of not God. But if you just like something and God wants you to have it, then buy it. If you can pay for it, buy it. Don't run out and buy stuff you can't pay for. That's called embezzlement. And fraud after a while. You go to prison for that. Or they come back and take the car and everything else. Okay. It says, unknown and yet well known is dying, yet behold we live as chastened and not killed. Chastened there doesn't have anything to do with sickness and disease. I'll talk about that another time. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, poor yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. Didn't mention sickness and disease once in that list. Okay, let's go over to 2 Corinthians 11. We're learning, he's telling us what he had dealt with and what he had lived through in verse 21 through 29. 
And I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whatsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. This is Paul speaking. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths often. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes saved. So five times he was beaten with 39 stripes like Jesus was. But he was beaten with uh, rods here and not the same type of material they beat Jesus with. But five different times he was beaten like that. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. Sounds like a real person. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness. I'm going to come back to painfulness. In watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides these things there are without that cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. I'm not sure God told him to take that care, by the way, but he, report, he recorded it. You can start taking the care of all churches, you're going to be you know, in bad shape. But let's get back to this painfulness because I thought, uh-oh, I caught him. But I looked this up in the Greek and it's the word 3949 from strong. It means to labor and toil with difficulty. It has nothing to do with sickness or disease. So in these two massive lists that he tells us about his life, his lifestyle, all that he went through, all the stonings and the beatings and the prisons, in peril of his heathen, in perils with his own countrymen. Oh, my goodness. Nothing like having your friends turn against you. I've had that happen several times in my lifetime. Not as much as Lester yet. Lester said he lost them all five times. It's just been two or three for me. And how you count it. But anyway, all these two lists, he didn't once mention sickness and disease. You get a clue from that? You should. I don't think the man would lie about it. If you do, you might as well rip out all of the epistles and throw it away and just have the Gospels and Revelation, James, and, you know, whatever. No, no. It's, it's, when you do your homework, see, I looked that up because painfulness got me thinking. And I wrote it right in my Bible. The numbers are 3949. In the Greek, it means labor and toil with difficulty. And sometimes it was tough, tough sledding. How many know what I mean, tough sledding? Some of those mission trips and some of those places he went. Yeah. Is anybody still here? All right. Now, let's go just a few more scriptures here. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I mean, there's even more than I'm going to get into with you, but I want to talk just a few more seconds, if you'll give me just maybe five more minutes. 2 Timothy, verse 3, and verse, um, uh, let me go 10 through 12 with you here, 2 Timothy 3, because I want to be thorough enough that, you know, when you get home, you don't find an isolated scripture and go, oh, just remember, I've got an explanation for that probably too, you know. But this is pretty thorough, I think, if you're listening. Of 2 Timothy 3 and 10, but thou hast fully known, Paul speaking, my doctrine, manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, my patience, persecutions and afflictions. There it is again. Persecutions and afflictions. The persecutions when people do things against you, like they stone him, or they would beat him, or they'd persecute him, or they'd cause a riot and they're trying to get to him, and his brethren had to preserve him once or twice. 
One time they chunked stones on him until he was breathless. He was laying on the ground dead, the Bible says. You can read it yourself in the book of Acts. And the brethren stood around him. And he rose up and walked off. And the next day he was preaching in that other city. You'd think he'd had some bruises on him. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they held up too. I mean, you know, God's a pretty big God. But even if he preached with the bruise, I'd still listen to him. It says, which came to me at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions, what, read this carefully, I endured. He endured that, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're going to live like Christ, you're going to suffer some people that don't like you. I don't care how straight and narrow you walk. In fact, sometimes the straighter you walk, the more persecution you get. What are you, some kind of nut? No, I don't think so. I'm just some kind of believer. I've never given myself credit for anything I've achieved. I've said God did it all. I mean, when I met him, I just my brain was burned out. My body was messed up. I'd lost 80 pounds shooting speed. I mean, felt like I was going to die. I had died that summer before I got saved. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I was broke down. But he put me back together. All right. Now, last but not least, this is really important. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. I wondered... And prayed about it. And God finally gave me some answers and some revelation. Acts 28. I said, did Paul ever get rid of all that persecution and be able to walk in victory over that? And he said, he sure did. And I said, whoo, I'd like to know about it. And so it's over here in Acts 28, the last chapter of the book of Acts. This was 33 years after the day of Pentecost. 33 years in Jesus' life and 33 years in the book of Acts to get to the last chapter. And verse 30 and 31. And Paul... Verse 30, Acts 28, 30 and 31. Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. At his house, he had his own house and he had some people there with him and received all that came in unto him. <laughs> he's a prisoner. But he's receiving people that come to visit him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, here it is, no man forbidding him. No man forbidding him. He got a handle on it where he didn't have that continually pounding against him from people. I'm sure somebody didn't like him, but he said no man forbid him to do that. I wrote down the Amplified. It's probably even better out of the Amplified, that last verse. See, you can get a handle over things. He didn't get it at first, but he got it eventually. That's why you need to stay with it. You know, I know my mother prayed and people prayed for me. I was a drug dealer and drug addict. And, oh, my God, Michael's going to kill somebody or get killed. And then I got saved and everything was fine. I was a champion, you know, hero. I really didn't do anything but said yes to Jesus. And then I went away to seminary and ended up speaking in tongues. And you'd have thought that I'd have robbed a bank and killed everybody in the bank when I went back home. Yeah, and then I started preaching divine healing. Then I, I had a whole other list of people that didn't like me now. Then I started teaching deliverance. Then all my good close friends left me. They said I was going to tear my church up because I was teaching about demons. These people are screwy. Not everybody, but some of the people I knew. And they were close to me, and some of them were good preachers. Then I got hooked up with Dr. Dufresne. They left me over that. I just know what I know and did what I was told to do, and I'm glad I did it. I'm not apologizing for it. But people couldn't hang with me. 
I'm still standing. Still here. I'm trying to encourage you. Yeah, I had a lot of people come, different, all kinds of stuff. People accused me all, that it was just not, not at all true. What did you do? I just kept my mouth shut and just kept believing God. It really don't help to try to defend yourself. You know that, even if you're right. Sometimes it's just better to just shut your mouth. Just keep it shut. Hallelujah. What do you think about Paul Thorne now? What do you think about Paul now? How you like me now? Come on. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's wonderful that we have an example in the Scriptures that if you studied it and you take it out, you see it's all just a bunch of garbage that men have taught to keep men in bondage to the devil. That's all it is.